Welcome to the Self-Love Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Rosenberg. I am the author of The Human Magnet Syndrome, The Codependent Narcissist Trap, and the creator of the Codependency Cure and Hitch Trauma Resolution Treatment Programs. If you identify with codependency, which I renamed the Self-Love Deficit Disorder, or you're caught in the crosshairs of narcissistic abuse or gaslighting, you've come to the right place. Expect the very best information that I know, whether from my own personal journey of recovery or through my 35 years of professional experience. What separates my work from others is my understanding of the origin of the problem, the solutions, and the necessity to take responsibility for one's broken picker that always points them to the dream of the soulmate, but the nightmare of the cellmate. So join my self-love recovery community and set your sights on the cure, self-love abundance. Today, I'm going to talk about shame, core shame. Often, probably way too often, shame is confused for guilt. So let me be clear, specifically clear. Guilt is feeling bad about something you did. It can be induced by someone else, aka a guilt trip, a judgment um, that can be benign or malicious. Say you are practicing pool. I'm in a pool league and and I love pool. And you really want to get better. And you have a a day where you just shoot badly. You just can't get the balls in the pocket. And someone who you admire says to you, hey, dude. Actually, I don't know if anyone still talks that way, but I'm 62. So what the heck? What's up? You're shooting like crap. And because I admire that person, I have two alternatives. A person who is what I call self-love deficient or codependent is going to hear that they did something bad, they disappointed someone, and they are going to feel like the disappointment. They are going to be the human doing, not the human being. What they do determines their worth. And they're going to feel ashamed of themselves, and they're going to like be angry and, you know, more often than not, that actually makes things worse. A person who is self-love abundant, which is the opposite of self-love deficit disorder, is going to just take it as a grain of salt, as they say, and going to go, okay, well, I can do better. I need to practice. And they will be the human being. They, in that moment, will not feel like there's anything wrong with them. They will not identify with their mistake. Their mistake is an aberration. It's representative of what they know they're not good at, but they're trying to get better. Or it's a representative of something that they know that at that moment they're not good at, but know normally they are better. Nothing about who they are and what they feel like about themselves. It does not turn into shame. Shame is the feelings, the beliefs, the thoughts regarding what a person thinks is wrong with them, why they are not lovable, why they are not likable, why they are not desirable, and why people just generally don't think they're good enough. Core shame. If someone has core shame, which it is one of the fundamental elements of a self-love deficit disorder or codependency. So with my self-love deficit disorder pyramid, you will see that attachment trauma is at the foundation of all self-love deficient people or codependence from the attachment trauma, which is abuse, neglect, or abandonment as a child from a narcissistic and codependent parent comes core shame. This fundamental belief that you're not good enough, you're not lovable, what I just said. And then there's pathological loneliness, the addiction, and at the very top is what we know about codependency or self-love deficit disorder. It's a bunch of behaviors, traits, mistakes. Core shame thrives on a person's reminder of it. It needs the person that it represents 
to say it to themselves, to believe it, to judge themselves, to cast the type of judgment that is unforgiving and relentless. Core shame cannot continue. It cannot persist unless you agree with it and you take your guilt, your mistakes for which you feel bad, and you use them as evidence of your shame. I cannot tell you how many times in my life that I have identified my guilt. I have identified myself with my guilt, whether I am bad at this part of work or I am bad at landscaping or I can't take a good photograph or I interrupt people or I just don't say anything when I should say something. Guilt tells us when we do something wrong. So if we have been gaslit by someone we think we love, someone who we are involved in a romantic or intimate relationship, and if you follow the human magnet syndrome, then you know that person is going to be a pathological narcissist. If you are an SLD, self-love deficient, a codependent, almost always, and I mean almost always, the person you are going to be in an intimate relationship with is going to be a pathological narcissist. Someone who has a personality disorder that's either narcissistic, borderline, or has an antisocial personality disorder. And if you are in a relationship like that, it means that that shame, that core shame felt safe and it identified with that person. Now, this is all unconscious. And this is like, you know, it's a dancing concept. This is the very essence of the human magnet syndrome. Two people who are opposite fit together. They feel familiar and therefore safe. So if you are a SLD, a codependent, and you are always beating yourself up, always uh, feeling guilty, or you are susceptible to people's guilt trips, or you've been gaslit, then you are reminding yourself of what is wrong. So then a relationship with someone who tells you, hey, you're great, don't be so hard on yourself, don't be so insecure, well, that's going to make you uncomfortable. I know it's paradoxical, but that is how chemistry works, and it's all explained in my book. Your core shame needs evidence that it exists. It feeds on the guilt and it turns the guilt into proof of the shame. And if you don't have it, and I say paradoxically, you're not comfortable. Now, if you ask any SLD, any codependent, do you make yourself guilty? And does your tendency to guilt trip yourself, does it prove that you're not good enough? No one should love you. And they'll say, no, of course not. You know, I, I, I like myself. I don't want to be this living mistake. No, no, I, I don't want to feel bad. But what they don't know is the internal thoughts and feelings, the mechanisms that run the, these are mostly unconscious and they connect to core shame. They connect to this fundamental belief that no matter what they do, they can't get out from under the belief, the judgment that they will never be good enough. So, they just keep tripping over their guilt. And because of the human magnet syndrome, the opposite attraction, the dance couple, unconsciously there is going to be an attraction to the narcissist who is going to ultimately shame the SLD, but they don't know it. And I don't think the narcissist often know it in the beginning. And the SLD who doesn't want to be shamed, doesn't want to be guilt tripped, doesn't want to be gaslit, but for some reason feels that this man, this woman, is gorgeous and beautiful. It's because it reminds them unconsciously of what they always had in their life. A parent who they wanted to love them, who couldn't, wouldn't, and didn't. 
It is something that they know. It's like walking in their sleep. They know how to be in that battlefield where they are taking shrapnel and avoiding getting hit by a bullet. They know how to block and dodge. And well, did I say dodge? You can't dodge a bullet, but we'll just go with it anyways. But they know how to keep themselves safe in a battle environment. But if you put them in an environment where someone is like loving, unconditionally loving and accepting, they won't know what to do. It will make them nervous. And that's why I call it paradoxical. If someone says, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't say you're dumb. Don't call yourself an idiot. Don't say no one ever loved you because you're lovable just by yourself. You would think that would make a person feel good. You would think that would be a relief. That would be soothing. But to an SLD who is brand new in a relationship, that is threatening. That makes them anxious because they really believe there's something wrong with them. And now it, they're going to have to hide it. They're going to have to somehow not apologize too much, somehow not make derogatory comments, somehow not be so passive and accommodating. And they don't know what to do. It gets them anxious. So it's the opposite of walking in your sleep and being so familiar with a person in an environment versus being in a very unsafe zone. So core shame lives well beneath our conscious mind. It is almost impossible to get to directly. But unlike attachment trauma, which is all unconscious, it's all a dissociative experience that you can't get to with direct therapy, core shame is about 50% conscious and 50% not. And the conscious part reminds the person over and over again. It's relentless. So what do we do if we are overwhelmed by core shame? What do we do when we identify with someone? What do we do when we feel more comfortable with someone who makes us feel bad than someone who's giving, accepting, unconditionally loving? You can't just change it by willpower. I wish that was possible. Unfortunately, that is what a lot of therapists try to do because they don't understand where core shame exists. Core shame exists in the back of someone's mind, and I know that's a little bit more metaphor, but it exists in the place of the mind where that child they used to be lives. People who are SLDs, we carry that child inside of us and we don't know it. There was a point of time in the worst part of our childhood when we were traumatized, attachment trauma, when we didn't feel good about ourselves, when we didn't love ourselves, when we didn't feel safe, respected, cared for, trusted and protected. We lived in an environment that was crushing. And that is because one of your parents was a pathological narcissist and the other a codependent, an SLD. And at the very, very beginning of our lives, going all the way through adolescence, we were constantly reminded that you're only as good as what you do or not do, how invisible you can be, or if needed, how overly visible, how you make the narcissist parent happy, how you can not upset the narcissistic parent. So if you're an SLD, like all the people that I work with in my treatment program, you are going to naturally, unknowingly, find these narcissists, these beautiful, sexy, intelligent, charming, bold narcissists, you're going to fall for them. You're gonna go deep, fast in a relationship but you're not gonna know they're narcissists. All you're gonna know is, wow, I feel safe, I feel comfortable, I feel familiar. And in any human magnet syndrome compelled relationship, narcissists, more often than not, they behave. So you put that on there, it's going to be right. But there will be a time, 
and it will be sooner than you know, maybe sooner than you're consciously able to accept when the narcissist is going to remind you that you are a human doing. You are only as good as how you make him or her feel. Should you make them feel bad, there will be criticism. And that criticism will not only be guilt-inducing, it will be shame-fortifying, shame-proving. So now you're in a relationship that parallels what happened to you as a child. And this core shame you have goes to the next phase, the childhood phase, which you don't remember or is hard to remember, to the adult phase where you, with the help, and, I, and for those people who are listening in my podcast, that was an air quote for help, of the narcissist who really has no intention other than to beat you down. He needs, she needs your core shame. They don't know it. Only the sociopath knows it. They need your core shame because if you should be core shame resistant, self-love abundant, you have this feeling like you made a mistake and you're a bad person, well, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to probably say, well, that's, that's BS. You're going to resist it. Or you're going to get yourself in therapy or a good friend's going to say, you know, hey, what's going on? And you're going to be able to see it and then you're going to like get out of it. But if the narcissist unconsciously needs you to have core shame, which is part of the dance, you meet someone, there's chemistry, you don't really know what's going on. All you know is you are, you feel so attracted to. You don't know that this is a familiar relationship, which is paradoxically safe. All you know is this is love. This is, this is my soulmate. This is an explosion of wonderfulness. And then little by little, depending on the type of narcissist and the intensity and the malignancy of his narcissism, they start reminding you of what you already know. And they can do that in what they don't say or what they do say. They can never say you're beautiful, that they love you, and now you're going to have that core shame proved. Or they can gaslight you. They can mess with your mind. They can brainwash you and take your normal dysfunction, all SLDs come into the relationship with, core shame, pathological loneliness, an addiction to a relationship to make the pain go away, and that unconscious attachment trauma. And then they will find something that you don't like about yourself, something that is real, or something that they actually make up and prove to you that's real. And they will prove to you how bad you are at that, how hopeless you are at that, whether it's your intelligence, Let's say you have a high intelligence and you never went to college. Let's say you have a little bit of anxiety, but you don't have an anxiety disorder. Let's say you're 10 pounds overweight and gorgeous by any objective standard, or 20 or 30 for that matter, and they'll make you believe you're obese. They will connect you to your core shame so intensely, so methodically, so systematically that you will believe it. That is gaslighting. And once you believe it and they present themselves as the only person that will love you and accept you and not abandon you, which is part of the gaslighting, you are forever trapped. They have harnessed almost, and I just saw the movie Oppenheimer. And so I say this metaphorically, they have harnessed the radiation, the nuclear toxicity of shame and turned it up a notch. The shame, the core shame that has already um, trapped you uh, from which you are embattled, buried by, feeling hopeless, they've taken it up and they've turned that, that little dial there and increased the toxicity so that 
even if you try to get away from it. You can't. How can you escape something that you believe is true and the environment in which you live in keeps proving it? Gaslighting. Core shame is a crime. It's a crime against humanity. And we are responsible for ourselves because we cannot blame our parents and take this victim role. And if anyone works with me, they know I don't let people in the beginning of our therapy focus on blaming the parents until they understand their own responsibility as an adult. Then we go into the parents. And of course, I fully embrace and fully encourage my clients to understand how they became an SLD. It's a long, long journey. When the innermost workings of your mind and your heart have been crushed, bruised, and there is a chain-linked fence with barbed wire protecting it. Now, it's paradoxical. Protecting core shame. Anyone who wants to prove it wrong. That is the power of gaslighting. And if you have read my Human Magnet Center book, and I, and I do recommend that you do, you will know that the attachment trauma you experienced as a child that is the primary reason you have self-love deficit disorder or codependency, it created this belief system that keeps proving over and over again what is wrong with you. And it makes you believe that the only way out is to be what the narcissist needs you to be. And that is your closest experience of love. And that is the love you bring to your adult intimate relationships. So coarse shame is a monster. It is a beast. It is resistant to regular, normal, talk-based psychotherapy. It resides in the dark, in the jungle, behind the trees. It does not want to be seen. Wants to make you believe that you are everything it tells you you are. It feeds on, remember, it feeds on guilt. It turns you into your own guilt tripper. It pulls you into the direction of pathological narcissist, the human magnet syndrome, and it is hungry. It will devour you. It will ruin your life. You don't want to be like my mother and my grandfather, my maternal grandfather and my mother. They died broken codependents on their deathbed. And actually my grandpa died of a massive stroke, but I know on my mother, before my mother lost consciousness, she struggled with her shame. She told me that she was so sorry that she wasn't a good mom. It was really heartbreaking and it was very touching. And I'm so glad we had that conversation because we had a chance to talk lovingly in, in a very healing way. Don't let that happen to you. Don't keep feeding the monster. Don't keep finding people that let the monster out when you try to keep that monster locked in. You are the only way that your core shame has a chance to be vanquished neutralized. And my psychotherapy program, which is what I offer, and the people that practice my techniques, my theories, my videos, my instructive videos that we sell at selfloverecovery.com that are like six hours, four hours, they will help you. It doesn't have to be from my stuff. It doesn't have to be from my book, but it has to be from someone that understands the invisible nature, self-love deficit disorder, the self-fulfilling prophecy of core shame, and how a SLD, a codependent, naturally keeps feeding the problem that they want to get rid of. And if they don't, they'll find someone who shovels that into their soul. So for, for God's sake, take care of yourself. Don't believe the lies. Get help. There's a little child inside of you screaming, help me. I don't want to feel this way, but you can't hear it by yourself unless you have help. 
but she and he's there and you can do it. You can find a path. You can hold that little child in your arms and say, we don't have to feel this way. You can do that. And it's not easy, but don't give up. Well, thank you for giving me an opportunity to share my latest ideas. And I wish you the very best and be well. And never forget, it's never too late to be the person you should have been. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Building a self-love recovery community means the world to me. Spread the word. Let people know what we're talking about. And until we meet next, I'd like to leave you my favorite of all sayings by George Eliot. It's never too late to be what you might have been. Don't forget that. Our future is in our hands despite what anyone has told you before. You can be the self-love abundant person you've always dreamt of. It's your birthright.